You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Leading Lady Fitness Podcast. This is Steph Wilberting, your host. Here, we'll be talking about all things wellness, how it impacts our journey and affects the way we show up in the world. All right. Hello, team, and welcome to this episode of the Leading Lady Fitness Podcast. We are sitting here with Heidi Blickenstaff and Elizabeth Stanley, um, two of my favorite leading ladies in the Broadway community. Thank you both for being here. Thank you so much. Aw, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. I have to say, like, you know, Elizabeth, I've known you for a while. Heidi, we just met, but like we, you know, have lots of friends in common in the community. Yep. But like I'm a little fangirling today because I just <laughs> I I respect you both so much. Um, in your message points that you give uh that you share with the community and how you're very transparent. And I just think that is so important um, always, but especially for the women in our community. So thank you first of first and foremost for that. What I would love to start with is talking a little bit about the last couple of years. And um, you know, this podcast is about how we choose to care for ourselves, how it may work sometimes, how it may not, how we course correct. And in the last couple of years during the pandemic, I think we've all had a very intimate relationship with ourselves and how we take care of ourselves and how we sustain. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Heidi, we'll start with you. Oh, well, wow. It it has been quite a um, crazy couple years. When we first got locked in our homes, I live up in Harlem with my husband. And at the time, my stepson, who was a, a junior going into his senior year in high school and is now a freshman in college, I know, crazy, and, um, and our dog. I think... Um, it was so shocking and scary at first. And I think I, I, I hadn't worked in showbiz. Um, I don't know for like, I I did like little things here and there concerts and I mean, silly stuff, but I hadn't had like a bona fide big job in at least six months, if not longer. And so, um, coming into the pandemic, I was, I was already not working and and kind of getting really good at not working. (laughs) So, uh, the pandemic became kind of a, a prolonged extension, but as I, was locked in and things were so scary. I really became very glued to my couch and I've had, I've had 
mostly I've been a very, I've exercised a lot in my life. I go up and down, but um, definitely the first part of the pandemic, I was cooking a lot, eating a lot, baking a lot, eating that a lot, and we were drinking a lot. And somewhere in there, I'm also like hardcore perimenopausal. So just Mm. like, please enjoy that. And so my body, my body just like, my body just radically changed. And um, I started like six or seven months in, I started looking at, or or I stopped looking at myself in mirrors because Mm. it became so shocking. And I'm definitely somebody that is all about like, you know, I feel like I surf the waves of of um, my different sizes with a lot of self-love. You know, I go up and down and I try to be kind to myself. I try to treat myself like I would treat a, a friend I love dearly. I do my best, but of course, we're terrible at that. But there definitely came a point where I started avoiding mirrors. And, and then one day I woke up and I was like, this is bullshit. And I, this is, I'm, I don't feel well. I have to take some kind of control. So I, um, quit drinking cold Mm. Turkey and, um, we had a Peloton, which I was not riding. Mm. Um, but I made a commitment to get on the Peloton, even if it was for 20 minutes a day, but I made a commitment to get on every day. And I started following a couple of nutritionists Uh online. And one is this really great it's called food trainer. She's, she's on the upper West side. She's amazing. And, um, another one was Emma Bardwell, who's Uh British. And I just followed these people who knew so much more than I did. They specifically catered to women in my stage of life. Uh And, um, within six months, I lost 30 pounds and was feeling better than I have ever felt. I mean, I don't, it's such, um, hyperbole, I guess, but like, I, I really think I felt the best I've ever felt. And it was the first time that I had really taken charge of my health in that way. I think as a younger person, I was so much more active, like just being in New York city and going in and out of shows. And I was a dancer for a really long time. And so it wasn't as hard to stay in shape. And then the, the pandemic just like knocked me sideways along with, along with, you know, being at this stage of life. And, um, and so when I finally took control, um, things really changed and I started to feel so much better. And then that becomes addictive because you like feeling better. And I Mm -hmm. started not hating what my reflection looked like and I got my groove back a little bit, but it was, it was definitely scary. I I went down a a, a gnarly rabbit hole, but Mm -hmm. um, thank God, thank God I like took control of it because now I know I can. Um, it was really the first time I had done that. I think I had taken it for granted until this particular time. I mean, I I, I lost 30 pounds. I, who, I didn't even know I would ever have 30 pounds to lose, but I absolutely did. And the fact that I did it was like a triumph, you know, mm-hmm. like I, that, that that happened and gave me a lot of confidence to move forward as we started coming out of the pandemic. And um, I knew that, you know, being in showbiz, people were going to look at me again. And I wanted to have confidence when they did. did. So that's a little taste of that. I want to ask a quick question. Aside from all the things you shared that you experienced from that weight loss and from that journey towards it, 
What's something outside of weight loss that you learned about yourself or you gained from that experience that you were like, oh, this is this is also on the other side of a transformation, right? Like I think a lot of times we learn so much about ourselves when we prioritize ourselves. Yeah. What's something else you yeah. I learned that I like I kept a commitment to mm-hmm. myself, which which I don't think I had ever really done before, like not, not in a, not in a health way. I mean, to really make that commitment to myself, no matter what to, to get on the bike. And I also made like every morning I made this, um, protein shake that was filled with blueberries and spinach and, and, you know, all the things, chia seeds, all the research that I did that, that, you know, I really like took a deep dive into the research and it became, instead of it feeling like some kind of burdensome, burdensome homework, it really was this really great thing to focus on instead of focusing on, you know, how soon it was getting to five o'clock so I could make another drink. (laughs) I mean, I know a lot of people that happened to a lot of people. Everyone that I talked to about this is always like, oh yeah, I was drinking a lot too. It was just like, we all were doing that. Um, or many of us were. Um, but the fact that I could really like research, really research something for my health and Mm -hmm. then commit to it Mm -hmm. was new, was definitely new. And I was really proud. You know, when, when we did start seeing people, my friends would be like, oh my God, oh my God. And that felt great. And I wasn't obviously doing it for them. I was doing it because I wanted to feel better, but that was certainly a lovely byproduct, you know, that people were noticing. There is some I forget which book it is right now or which pocket. It's a Brene Brown's thing. I just can't remember if I heard on her podcast or in one of her books, but she talks about the power in gaining self-trust, right? Like, and in, in, in that pursuit of trusting ourself comes the information seeking, like the experimenting, all those things are part of gaining trust with ourselves. because as we continue forward, a lot of times when we use if I were to use a phrase like I fell off the wagon or whatever, right? It's because mm-hmm. we maybe have lost a little bit of trust that we can continue to show up for ourselves. So mm. anyway, um, I just thought that was like an interesting thing to, because th- that's yeah. what you were describing to me, right? You, you learned how to. For sure. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Yeah. The fact, the fact that I was able to, to make the commitment to myself and then really feel better. And, and the results were a bonus. Like that was a great thing, but like to, like, I will always know now that I have the power to do that. And, um, I had, that was new. That was, you know, I, I, I always, uh, I I don't know. I mean, I was, I was going to say, I think I have confidence in myself, but this was a brand new, Mm -hmm. this was like a trap door that I didn't even know existed of, you know, cause I'd never had this problem before. And so, um, to have been able to have solved it, that yeah. will, I will take that with me forever. I know that I will always be able to do that now. I love that. I had a client in LA at the gym I had there say to me after she'd been training there for a while, she said, you know, what I'm learning about myself is that if I always chase a feeling, I will feel successful versus chasing a result. Yeah. Which That's you said, yeah, which is interesting, right? Like, now yeah. you know what it feels like to feel powerful in, yeah. in your body and you know you have all these tools now and you know what that feels like and we can always return mm-hmm. to a feeling because trans- yep. uh, physical results are going to change as we get older. Of right? course. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, thank you. Um, 
Elizabeth, what happened for you in the last two years? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. Oh, my. So many things. (laughs) Yeah, so many things. Um, I mean, yeah, I was doing Jagged Little Pill, and then I suddenly wasn't. And, you know, at first I was like, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then I was like, I'm really depressed Um, because it was such a career high for me that, you know, I'd been dreaming of and working towards for my entire time in the city. And, um, it certainly was an opportunity that, um, I was really grateful for, and I was actively grateful for, I mean, I will say that I was actively living in, in, um, the gratitude of it when it was happening. And I'm really yeah. glad that I was old enough to be in that place. And I'd also just gotten engaged in January of 2020. And so, you know, and I, I have, I've never been married before. And so I was really, um, that is also something that I've been like seeking for my whole adult life. And, and well, let's face it, my whole teenage life too. But, um, and, you know, so I was like actively seeking, or I was really active in the gratitude of that too. Like Charlie and I would often say to each other, like, wow, we just feel so lucky. This is such a like sweet time in our lives. And like, I, I mean, we often comment now, like we remember like laying in bed and like looking into each other's eyes and being like, we're so lucky. <laughs> um, and then we weren't. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was, I, I guess I say all that because it felt like a really hard place to fall from, um, you know, to have then all of it like really be like, boom, came crashing down. Yeah. So then I, 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 I th- then it became hard, you know, it just became about so many other things about like the loss that wasn't, you know, fully nameable and fully measurable. Like everyone was experiencing of just like how much, how much is actually slipping through my fingers? How much of it will come back? You know, will, will things come back? Do I want them to come back? And and then, you know, and then Charlie and I were like newly living together also. So like, that was like a real challenge because I've, I've lived by myself for a long, long time and he had two. And so that was really a dramatic way to begin living together. (laughs) Like you're together and you can't see anyone else ever. Um, (laughs) There were times when it was fun. uh, And then there were times when it was really unromantic, you know, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. I would say like my, uh, my health was not awesome during that time. There was a lot of eating and a lot of learning how to eat together. And, you know, so there were a lot of things that uh, for me, it was like uh, a lot of it was in partnership. Mm -hmm. But then when we were like, you know what? Our wedding's been canceled a few different times. Maybe we should just go on. And um, it looks like Broadway's not coming back. Um, Maybe we should move on with like our our lives. And like it was always in the plan for us to maybe see if we could have a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we just decided to go ahead and see if we could. And that definitely encouraged me to get healthy again because I remember going to the gynecologist and her being like, you know, the best thing you can do is just like be healthy. If your body is healthy, then like you're doing all the things you can to signal to your body like I'm healthy enough to carry a baby. Yeah. And so I think that for me, I started like doing light jogging. <laughs> um, and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Charlie would always be like, so are you one of those people who's like not, they're bouncing, but they're really walking. And I was like, maybe, I don't know. Um, but, uh, so I was doing light jogging and then, yeah, same with Heidi. I mean, like I've been living for the cocktails and, you know, so just like kind of like cut back on things. 
And, you know, and then I got pregnant and then that was a whole other thing in terms of like health. I will say getting pregnant during the pandemic, not so simple in terms of just like giving up the drinking. Like I always thought like, oh, of course, like, you know, obviously I won't drink when I'm pregnant, but it was, I was like, wow, I really miss that in a way I didn't expect to because I had been drinking a lot. Yeah. But so obviously didn't drink when I was pregnant, but then my midwives were also like very into doing 20 minutes of cardio every day and being on a low carb diet for like the whole pregnancy, especially Mm. towards the end. Um, because you know, they were like, you will get enough natural carbs in complex, you know, kind of healthy carbs, but like, you don't need, you don't need to be the pregnant lady, like eating ice cream every day because it'll make your baby be really big you know, is, is what they have seen anyway. You know, okay. it's, it's different journey for everyone, obviously. But so this is my first pregnancy. So I was like, whatever you say. <laughs> and I'm grateful for that because, you know, she was uh, almost two weeks late and, um, and she oh was plenty big. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was like around eight pounds, which was just, just enough for me to eke out. <laughs> and then, you know, it's been a whole thing. Um, afterward, like she's seven months now. And I, I feel like I'm just now starting to like fit back into clothes and, and kind of feel like in my body again, but you know, weak in different ways and a different shape and other, yeah. other ways than I'm used to. And, and then because of the pandemic, I was not at my healthiest before I got pregnant. So now I'm kind of at the place where I'm like, okay, am I ready to like make a commitment to myself to like, you know, carve out some time to really like dedicate to, to some self-care in terms of that. And, and it's hard. I mean, I, I, I guess I'll say like, I feel aware of the moments when I'm not being very kind to myself with the way I'm dealing with the stress, you know, like I baked a chocolate cake for my friend's birthday last week and she ate like a slice. And I was like, would you please take the rest with you? And she's like, no, I already have a cake that someone else made me. And so I kept it and I've managed to like eat it all in the, like the last four days. Not a girl. You know? <laughs> you know? And, and I'm just like, I'm doing it. I know I'm doing it. Cause I'm like, we started sleep training and I'm more tired than I have been. And it just is what it is. Yeah. But I will say, I guess I feel I'm not like hating myself for it. Mm-hmm. I'm just sort of like, I see I'm doing that. I see why I'm doing that. Okay. Yeah. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Next. You know. Yeah. I remember um, a really long time ago, about 10, maybe like 10 years ago now, um, I enlisted the help in the help of a food coach. And it was more around emotional eating because my thing has always been binging, um, usually in hiding. Like I always had roommates and stuff, but I'd wait till the roommate was out for the night and I'd order the pizza and get the bottle of wine and not remember most of it. Not because I was so drunk, but because I just would eat and watch TV and like all of a sudden half the pizza, if not all of it's gone. And so that was always my thing. And still, I mean, I don't think it ever won't be. And I'm very open about that. Like that's the thing Mm -hmm. I think I can help people with is like, it's never going to go away, but we can change our conversation around it, but our self conversation. But to your point, um, I remember my coach saying to me, it's not that we're never going to emotionally eat again. 
because we're going to magically heal ourselves with our relationship to food. It's how we respond in the moment, how we maybe say like, I'm going to actively do this because fill in the blank, right? Um, And then it's the conversation after day two, day whatever, you know, the day after. And so I do think there's a, you know, there is that those moments where we're like, I'm doing this <laughs> and I know I'm doing this and I can still give myself love and grace and mm-hmm. compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to chime in on that because yeah. I do think it's, I do think it's important to realize that like the goal will is never ever perfection. Cause as soon as it's perfection, it's restriction, right. it's all or nothing. <laughs> totally. Back up your, you know, it's just a vicious cycle. Yeah. Yeah. I think you got to have the chocolate cake. You got to have it. You, you know, if you and like, if, enjoy it. right? Yes, totally. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Balance, balance. Thank you for sharing that. I would love to talk a little bit about the role and the sharing of the role. I mean, I've read, you know, I've read some interviews and articles when you guys, um, when this all started happening. And unfortunately, I was not here long enough to see it when I got back from LA. So I'm super bummed that I never saw the show at all. But from my perspective, it was a thing that I saw happen and was like, why hasn't this happened before? Maybe Word. it has. I don't know. I don't think it has. Right. And I, and Not I, like my, this. Yeah. My initial reaction was like, thank you. Yes. Like, let's step, let's help each other. So I would love to, if you, as much as you feel, I mean, I don't want to pry, but like, what, like, how did that decision come? And like, how did it feel? And I can't imagine the joy it must've felt like to be able to do that together. It was yeah. a great, so whoever wants to start. Yeah. Um, I'll start. Is that cool? You go, yeah, you yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so when I heard that Broadway was like reopening and then Jagged announced when that was happening, it was like, well, that's a bummer for me because I just knew it was like too soon from when I would have given birth. Like it was, you know, rehearsals would have started like a number of weeks after I Mm -hmm. became a mom. And I was just like, that's not possible for me. You know, everyone on the creative team was like, you know, knew that I was having a baby and was just like, we'll do whatever it takes. Like we're, we're here, you know, hold your baby in the wings. I'll do, you know, like everyone was like showing support in the ways that they knew that they knew how and the ways that they knew that they could. And so I really felt empowered, I will say by that and supported to then think about what I really needed. And I was just like, it's hard. Cause you know, we always have these sort of like protective feelings about roles that we create. And, but I was just like, I, I just can't like, I, it's too soon for me. I don't want to miss these moments of my child's life. Um, and I think it was a lesson of the pandemic, right. Of like, well, what are these shows? They're just these temporary things that like we love, but they can leave us at any time anyway. And I I can't make it my priority. Uh, So basically long story short, I kind of came up with this you know, idea that, well, I said like, I won't be back for the reopening. So, you know, maybe you should hire Heidi Blickenstaff. Um, you know, like I sort of put that bug in their ear. Um, cause I had just, I'd always thought of her like all along the line, you know, when I'd be like negotiating a contract or something and be like, maybe I'm going to walk away. Maybe I won't do this. Who would they find? I'd be like, well, Heidi would be amazing. Mm. And so, you know, I was like, well, what if when I come back, you know, um, we share the role and, and that way I can like come back sooner and, um, and kind of ease in. And I, at first people were a little like, oh, I don't know, like financially, can we do that? And, and then 
we kind of got people on board and, and then it was, I mean, I'll let Heidi speak to her experience about it, but like, for me, it was so extraordinary. Like Heidi was so generous, so open, like it truly did feel like a share Mm -hmm. and not like a, well, I'm going to be here and do it this way. And then when you come in, you just do it your way and we just kind of won't talk about it. We'll just both do it. Like it wasn't like that at all. You know, it was really like, Hey, we're in this together. I was getting updates. Like when I was like, you know, home postpartum, like here's what's going on in the rehearsal room. Like here's some, something that might change. I don't know. I want, I want you to be aware. I don't want to be shocked. You know, it was like super helpful to have a friend who was kind of keeping me updated and then and then to come back and and be able to to come back after this pandemic that had been long and and sad for all of us and not have to wait like even more months which would have meant now I see I'm missing it all together so I'm extra grateful that it it was the way it was Heidi (laughs) it's funny I, I I think that separately Elizabeth and I were having the exact same idea at the exact same time I found out Elizabeth was pregnant and my first overwhelming thought was such happiness and joy for Elizabeth and Charlie. And then not far behind it, I was like, what's going to happen with Jagged? You know, I think as an actor, we, you know, we go in for things all the time that we're not necessarily perfect for, but when it's right, we know it's right. And, um, I felt like, um, not only, not only was this role, uh, um, that I was, I was appropriate for it, but this particular scenario with Elizabeth, I feel like I've been, I don't know, almost almost preparing my whole career for something like this because Mm -hmm. I am not a competitive person. I am a person who loves to collaborate. I love to work in an ensemble of actors making something together. I am I am somebody that feels like all boats rise. I like my moment in a spotlight for sure and I know I'm capable of that, but I also love to I'm a team person and I love Elizabeth and I knew that I would be able to take care of this role for her Mm. while she was taking care of her first priority. And I would be able to give it back and rock back and forth with her in a way that I'm not sure... I'm not sure a lot of actresses could have handled it because it's not easy. Mm. Um, You know, your ego definitely gets in there and, you know, it's just, it's, it's a very unique situation. And I really can't think of anyone else who I would have done this. I mean, I think we had an amazing success with, with this situation. And from the very beginning, Elizabeth and I, decided to be very transparent with each other. And that included feelings, questions in the, the, when I had questions in the script, I didn't, um, obviously I worked with my creative team in the room when I was rehearsing, but I would also go to Elizabeth. I never wanted to have an independent experience. I wanted, I wanted her to be a part of my Mm. making this because 
I've created roles on Broadway before and imagining the shoe being on the other foot, I, you know, again, I, I want to treat people the way I, I would like to be treated. Hmm. And so I always wanted to be in great respect and deference to Elizabeth and it's her baby. She, (laughs) she made two babies and, (laughs) and I was, I was taking care of one for her while she was taking care of her real baby. And it was, you know, it's, I literally like, I get a little choked up about it because of all the things I've done in my career. It's the thing that I am maybe most proud of that we were able to do this Mm -hmm. together. And, um, and it really, you know, I know that I know that women have gone on maternity leaves before and other women come in. And obviously there's the model of like Bette Midler uh, doing most of the shows and, and having Donna Murphy come in to do matinees there. That model exists. But this is different. This mm-hmm. was totally different. And I am so proud that we did it. And still like on the other side of it, still love each other and still like uplifted each other through the whole experience. And, you know, we would be like Marco Poloing back and forth at half hour when the other one was in the dressing room. I mean, we really shared it and it was a a beautiful thing. I don't know if I'll ever have the privilege of doing that again. I don't know if I'd want to do it with anybody else, but it was, (laughs) it was amazing. It was really amazing. And I'm proud of us for making that happen. Yeah. You said the word care like multiple times in that and, and something that's just, you know, resonating with me in, in the context of our conversation today is how together you cared for something's very, very special, right? You cared for the role together, but also gave this, gave Elizabeth this space to care for herself and her, her child and her family. Mm -hmm. But then also Heidi, you had this awesome opportunity to care for a role that you may not have gotten to care. You know, it's just like, it's just very, yeah. It's just like, it's just, it was just so for me looking uh, from the outside in, it was so monumental to me. I hope it continues. And it was extremely inspiring. I hope it gives other women permission to ask for something like this if they need it. Me too. Yeah. So many women in our industry were very vocal about like this, we need this, let's make sure this keeps happening. I do hope that uh, when, when uh, a woman finds herself uh, in this position again, that they'll be like, remember when Heidi and Elizabeth did that thing? Yes. I really hope that it will be um, the first of many times that this happens. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Just a quick little like rapid fire fun moment before we, before we close off the episode. And it's just like some Broadway stuff, some other stuff. You don't have to like just first thing that comes to mind, I'll say the thing, <laughs> Elizabeth, you'll go first, Heidi, you'll go second, and we'll just go through the list. Okay. okay? No um, and okay. this will wrap up our like <laughs> nice little episode. For the listeners, um, the funny part is that for whatever reason, we can't see my face on the screen. So I've been watching these two beautiful women talk kind of to each other for the past 30 minutes. And uh, here we go. Okay. So Elizabeth first, Heidi second. First Broadway okay. show you ever saw. The Scarlet Pimpernel. <gasps> 42nd Street, baby. The original. Oh, so classic. Yes. I was a kid, yeah. Elizabeth, first Broadway show you ever 
did? Oh, the revival of company in 2006. Yes. Heidi. That's a good one. The full Monty. Ah, also a good one. Ah. I played Susan Hershey, baby. It was amazing. Oh, Charlie sings the, um, there's a breeze like a off yeah. the oh, that's a soul vibe. It's a great song. Oh, Such a good song. song. So good. Yeah. yeah. This might be a tough one. First thing that comes to mind. Favorite musical. Oh God. It's, that's impossible. <laughs> I, I, just one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I really love ragtime. Yes. Ragtime. Um, Light in the Piazza. <gasps> that one, oh, that, I, that hit so me good. at the right, the, at the perfect time in my life where everything mm. was lining up in the same way that the characters were going through stuff. And I, to this day, I cannot listen to it without like deep, deeply, mm. like ugly crying. No, same. So I, good. Well, Fape, mm. please. Oh my God. Chill. I just got chills just saying it. Yeah. <laughs> I went. I saw Latin Piazza with a girlfriend of mine who's not a performer. We did high school theater together, so she has an appreciation. And I'll never forget sitting in the theater and the show opens and the orchestra swept in and like, I don't know, the scrim, something like just this light comes on. And I just like, my eyes just started draining down my face. It right? Was, mm-hmm. It's oh, so mm-hmm. weird. It's, it's so, so weird. And I, I, I was at a book signing uh, party the other night for my friend David Loud, who's written an amazing book, like a Broadway memoir. It's so mm-hmm. great. And he's very close with Vicki Clark. And I've, I, you know, I've met... And I know Vicki Clark for years in the business, but every time I see her, my heart starts to race because mm-hmm. of that performance. It's just th- that yeah. show left a mark on me that was <sighs> hardcore. I was um, out walking my dog recently, and this woman comes out of the building next to mine. The, this big, beautiful dog comes out, and she's looking at my, oh, your dog's so cute. And I look at her face. I'm like, oh, my God, it's Victoria Clark. Oh, my God, it's Victoria Clark. And oh. I wasn't going to say anything. You know, I was like, you know, and she's like, your dog. And I, was, I was like, well, nice to meet you. I'm Stephanie. She's like, I'm Vicky. And she, like, walked off. And I was like, I know who you are. Anyway, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I walked the entire walk with my dog singing like in the piazza. Okay. Yes. Uh, this yeah. might be another tough one. Maybe not. Elizabeth, dream roll. That is a really tough one. Yeah. I mean, actually that like light in the piazza, that is one of my like dream shows. Mm. Like I'm like, maybe the, the stars will align and if they revive it, I'll be of the right age to, to yeah. be a mom. Love it. Yeah. Heidi? So many, there's so many, but I, I would, I would like to take a stab at Mrs. Lovett. Mm. Oh, yes. At I some love point. To see that. Yes. Just like f- hilarious and yes. filthy. I, I, oh my god, you'd be so good. That's actually a very popular answer with with my guests. So, oh really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, it's yeah. a great part. Yeah, it's a great part. Yeah. Changing gears a little bit. What is your favorite restaurant in New York City? Oh. Oh God. Oh. Uh huh. <sighs> I mean, god. that's a hard question after you like haven't been out in a while. I know. I know, um, right? I'm trying to think. I used to love this place down in Chelsea called the Red Cat. It's gone. Hmm. It was such a great place. And that was always my go-to place. It's gone. Um, it was like the perfect, it was just like special occasion-y enough, but not pretentious. And the food was amazing. Gone. It's, I haven't been out in such a long I know. time. That's a I, tough can't, question. I can tell you, I, wa- I want to go to Per Se. I haven't been to Per Se yet. Have you guys oh, been? Oh, no, I haven't. I, I have been. I do recommend. <laughs> yeah. I will say, because Heidi and I live in the same hood, um, so I've been trying to, like, find places in Harlem, and there's a really great ramen place called ROKC. Mm, um, that's fun. That also has tasty cocktails. Nice. So, oh. 
There we go. Can I get them to deliver to me tonight? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Will they deliver? <laughs> great. Great. Um, what is your favorite neighborhood in New York City? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, it's so funny. I've lived in so many different neighborhoods in New York. I started out like in Gramercy Park. And then I was in the East Village. I was in Hell's Kitchen. I've been in Soho. I've, I lived on the Upper West Side for years and years. And now I'm in Harlem. Wherever I live ends up being like my favorite. I mean, I will say the East Village was quite a surprise when Uh we first moved down there. I was like, I'm not going to like this. And I loved it. I loved the East Village. And I think it just gets cooler and cool. Every time I'm down there, I'm like, oh, it's so cool down there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. I was going to say the West Village. I mean, it's cliche, but it's, it's just so pretty. It's yeah, so it is pretty. pretty. It's so pretty. And all my fancy friends live there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. It's fancy. I mean, although I, I will say, like, I also really love, you know, so many parts of Brooklyn are, like, so excellent now. So it's I like, know. Yeah. I know. What's yours, Steph? Wait, I want to know. Well, I'm currently living probably longer than I thought I was up at 181, right by the cloisters. Mm. And I I do love it. Like having been Mm -hmm. in LA for four years and really one of the things I loved about my time in LA was just being out, being able to be outside and be quiet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so this part of Manhattan, you definitely can get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I do love that. I have a soft spot in my heart for Astoria because I lived there for so many years. I know you did too. Elizabeth. Yeah, There's too. So, so much of a story that I loved. I um, love it too. But I love getting lost in the West Village, just getting off yeah. the train and like just getting lost. And I almost always do. And I've lived here for 20 years. So I'm always like, which way yeah. am I heading? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Do you have a, these are, this is another kind of unrelated. Where is a dream vacation spot? I love how rapid this is not, by the way. <laughs> We're just talking about Sorry. it. Sorry. Like, like, let's it's, it's think great. about it. Yeah. I, I will say, as much as I always want to spice it up, I always end up back in Mexico. And I... I grew up on the West Coast. And so growing up, I was familiar with that West Coast of Mexico. But now being in New York, yeah. we we do like, you know, more Mexican Riviera, Mayacoba and and... It, whenever I think about where do I want to go, I, I like I, I want it to be Hawaii. I want it to be Bali. And I in my head, I'm like, nope, we're going back to Mexico. Yeah. I love me some Mexico. <laughs> Great. It's Mexico, it. baby. Yeah. yeah, Bali is on my um, yeah. is the top of the I mean, I feel like for so oh. many people. In fact, I definitely have a specific memory of like when I got pregnant of like crying and being like, I'm never going to go to Bali now. <laughs> You will after your kid goes to college. You'll go yeah, there. Yeah, I know. I always yeah. want to go to one of those um, huts there that, like, you know, you open your door and you fall in the water. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm yes. here. I will take a swim. But yeah. you're right, Heidi. I'll just be wearing like linen with my gray hair and be yes. like, I finally made it. Instagram and here. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag retired in Bali. <laughs> yes, still got it. Yeah. Uh, Final uh, question is um, right now, today, in the moment, what is something for which you are extremely grateful? Let's end with a gratitude moment. Oh, I am grateful. You go, you go. Oh, sorry. (laughs) No, I was going to say the same thing. I was going to say the same thing. You go. Yeah, I'm grateful for my partner. I mean, it is. Sometimes I am nutty. And uh, I feel like I really have been the last couple of weeks, especially like 
like, like first I was doing a couple gigs, which was wonderful, but like, you know, makes our life just, it's harder now with the kid and, and that he was so great in supporting me and doing that. Mm. And then, then like the kind of come off of that and then, you know, just life. And I feel like I've been nutty in, in other like emotional ways. And, uh, he rides the, rides the waves with me and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yes. I love that. Same, same, same. I, I, um, I have a lot to be grateful for, but, um, my husband, I think right in this moment and in many other moments, he tops, he tops the list. I don't know what I would do without him. He, we're, um, both the second marriage for each other. And, um, I, you know, I wouldn't wish divorce on my worst enemy, but the good, one of the silver linings that comes out of that is that, um, at least for us is that we knew what we wanted, what we didn't want. And when we crashed into each other, it was so powerful and so Mm. undeniable. And every day since he's just an extraordinarily, he's just my perfect match. And he, Mm. he, he, I'm so grateful for him. He helped me get this mic set up. He does the (laughs) things that I don't want to do. He does. He's got all kinds of skills that I don't have, but he's, you know, of all the great stuff he does, you know, just the love stuff is my favorite stuff, just how we feel about each other. And, and also I'm very aware that, um, not everybody got to, got to weather the pandemic with a partner. And, um, I'm, I can't imagine how difficult that must've been. And, um, I am so grateful that I got to do it with somebody that I like so much and that, you know, all, all that stuff we were talking about at the beginning of this, all the depression, all of the bad habits, all Mm -hmm. of the crap TV, all the stuff we were all in the soup with together. Thank God it was him. And Mm -hmm. now that things are now that we're coming out of it, there's just this beautiful, butterfly part of of our relationship that's unfurling and he's just the greatest lovely Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go too i um i'm very grateful for this is very on brand but it's 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 it is true um i'm very grateful that although the pandemic was really hard for me like extremely lonely but grateful that i was in la for it and had like some space yeah because of Mm -hmm. it it brought me back here and, mm. um, even though I'm still like, what am I doing in New York again? I do feel like <laughs> I do feel a renewed sense of community and that I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I have, I'm grateful for this position that I've been able to carve out with Katie and the Broadway podcast network with my work as a trainer and a coach to help the community that I love so much when I'm not, you know, even though I am still a performer like this, that this is my gig when I'm not performing, I'm really grateful yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, I, I wish I could that. see I your faces you. a little bit more right now. <laughs> I know. Oh, you can't see us either. No, no, stuff. I am sorry. I, I can see you, but I wish you could see that I'm smiling is what I, is what I should oh, say. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. Elizabeth and Heidi, thank you so much for taking time. You're both very busy. Um, this has been on the books for a little while, and I've just so looked forward to it. And I really, really enjoyed our time together. Thank you so much. Thank you. So this has been great. Your voice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna. Go, we're gonna go ahead and log off. Everyone, have a great day. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. Check out other episodes on all streaming platforms, including the Broadway Podcast Network app. Be well 
and see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.